0: You're listening to the Spain & Fitz Podcast.
1: All eyes have been on the play-in as over the last couple of days, we've seen the TV numbers come in. Everybody seems to be in love with every ounce of it. We got Lakers-Warriors a couple of nights ago, but all hope is not lost for the Warriors after that loss to the Lakers. They still have a shot to get into the playoffs. Steph Curry still has a shot to continue to try and keep the magic going, but in order to do that, they're going to have to beat a Memphis team that's young, that's hungry, and this is going to be the big matchup for the evening as everybody looks to see how the play in ends and the playoffs start.
2: Yeah, it's it ended up being a huge win for the NBA to get Warriors Lakers and I think we're going to end up seeing that being the biggest ratings hit and being the one that got the most love and focus and attention, but they kind of got a win in the Warriors being in this game as well. By by, you know, falling short in that game against the Lakers it gives us another opportunity with Steph Curry and the Warriors Back's on the line, and that's when we see the good stuff, right? These are, record-wise and everything-wise, fairly closely matched teams, but one has Steph and the other doesn't, and we saw what that meant when they just faced each other on Sunday. 46 points, 9 to 22 from 3. He went off, and they needed him like they've needed him all season long, and the only chance for the Grizzlies to take them out tonight is, in my opinion, to hilariously try to shut down Steph to the point of just leaving other guys open and making them make shots because you know one-on-one isn't going to work for you.
1: Yeah, and I think one of the things that really hit me watching the Warriors, because we've been talking about Steph all year, but let's also acknowledge that Draymond was a different version of Draymond mm-hmm. than we've seen most of this season in that game against the Lakers, and obviously a lot of attention paid to the, the eye poke, but even up to that point, Draymond was such an agitator, particularly in the first half against Anthony Davis, had AD really looking like he didn't know how to basketball in that moment. you know. And and so what we've seen when Draymond plays that way and when Steph plays the way that he plays, there's proof of concept. The one thing that the Warriors have here that, that obviously is going to carry over in some capacity Capacity is proof of concept that doesn't exist for Memphis because as I stated a couple of times, they are such a young basketball team. In fact, right now, uh, they would be the youngest team, I believe, to make it to the playoffs in several years. So, their average age right now puts them in such a situation that uh, they're the fourth youngest team in this season, and if they make the playoffs, they'd be the youngest team since 2010-11. Uh, that was the thunder at that point. So, now, obviously, the Grizzlies, a young team, there is no proof of concept. I just love watching Ja play. So, this is all about my love of watching Ja mm-hmm. Morant in big moments and hoping that he can do something incredible and possible just because it's such a a landmark moment for the Grizzlies as a franchise.
2: Yeah, I mean... It's it's Jaw versus Steph in terms of you know maybe your rooting interest is based on who you want to see more of this year. That's always going to be Steph for me, but I understand that you're into 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 Jaw and seeing a bit more of that as well. And and the youth on this team does make it super exciting for them to be in this position. You have an opportunity for some of these these guys like Dylan Brooks who who didn't like how he performed in that Sunday matchup with the Warriors. He fouled out. Um, had had started by you know putting up this eight zero run all by himself. But, you know, had to cut his night short. So, of course, he, he wants to redeem himself and, and looked great against the Spurs. Um, so, you know, that's a guy to keep an eye on tonight, see what kind of support he can give, Ja. Um, and, and I think you look at the, what ended up dooming the Warriors in that game against the Lakers. They had a solid lead. They were firing from outside. They had all the momentum. And it was just turnovers. Right. They had almost half of their game uh, turnovers in that third quarter, giving up the ball that much gave the Lakers some hope and it got them back into the game. And then you saw the LeBron shot that was just unbelievable. I don't know if he could see. I don't know how serious the uh, the I can't see, I can't see was, but he saw well enough to make that shot. And so the Warriors not only need to depend on Steph to do the role because we've seen so many times before, but they just have to take care of the basketball and not make it easy for the Grizzlies.
1: I'm going to give you some straight talk here, Sarah. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. There was a moment, and I, you know, you never know with somebody's injury, and you never want to question somebody. But it just reminded me a lot of Peter Griffin in Family Guy, like when he stubs his toe and he's just sitting there going "oh" for like ten minutes. That's what I felt like I was watching. It's a well, you know, maybe it all came together for the perfect shot for LeBron. I want to give him benefit of the doubt in that situation, and I love the ending. I don't really care what the you know what what extra factors they were in any of it. It was just amazing watching the collective "oh my god" of everybody Mm -hmm. as he was laying on the ground. Covering his eye and trying to figure out where they were I don't want any of that to take away from what was by the way just I think an amazing game, and what has been a really interesting play in because you yeah. know you got to look at some point at the TV numbers that I mentioned earlier have been spectacular, not just for that game but even for the other games in this series I mean the eastern conference i've made I've made plenty of jokes about not, the lack of interest there, but the numbers were still big for a couple of games in the East play, and so maybe it really is the drama that's winning right now.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's been an unequivocal win for the NBA. And we heard Adam Silver earlier on our air today talking to KJNZ, talking about how he liked how the play-in looked. He wants it to come back, but there were others to talk to. I don't know if that just meant sitting down with LeBron and trying to get him <laughs> on board or if there's actual other people that need to be involved. But um, I I think... More so even than this week of games, which I enjoyed not only for the games themselves but because we had a couple nights off and I got to go to a Cubs game or two, but also the actual end of season run that it made some teams go on and made other teams you know play their players, not sit it that end of season stretch where guys are are manipulated in order to move around in in the standings. Um, to me, it just isn't a fun way to close out a season. It, you lose some of that momentum instead of going into the playoffs with the head of steam, which is what we saw this season. Um, I can't say that I really had strong opinions on the play-in before. I certainly have had strong opinions on a you know, mid-season tournament where I think the excitement is manufactured and it just doesn't work in the NBA the way it does some other places. But this one... I think is is absolutely something they need to bring back.
1: I I do think that there's a a moment, and look, I've been pretty loud about the risk, and and I think the risk is uncomfortable for me, uh, the risk of losing a Lakers brand in the playoffs from a play-in tournament. I think is a pretty substantial risk to take in this. But uh, you you are right that the conversation over the course of the last, what, three, four weeks of the season has been staggeringly positive towards the NBA. And it's really created new conversations that we haven't had before. And and at some level, just to have this much talk about, as we've joked before, you know, who's going to be the sixth seed suddenly matters. And usually it doesn't. So there has been a winning conversation. There has been. Uh, certainly a win in the ratings and there's been a win over the last couple of days in the way these games have played out even the Memphis game the first game against the, the Spurs they jump out to a huge lead but it still ends up being a very compelling game so we'll see what tonight gets we're going to give you all the analysis that you could possibly want throughout the course of the evening from some great experts too we're short tonight we're only taking you up till 8 30 p.m eastern as we'll get you ready for the game ESPN radio presented by Progressive Insurance and Progressive they're making things even easier they'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. All right, so we're going to ask you next a question about the entire playoff spectrum of the NBA, including some predictions from us, which means I'm about to get my butt kicked because we all know that never goes well for me. We'll do all that next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
0: You're listening to the Spain and Fitz Podcast.
1: It's inevitable. In, in a minute, we're going to make some playoff predictions. And as usual, I don't feel good about this. Like an hour ago, I felt good about it. and Now it's like, God, what am I going to owe Sarah at this point? Like, you know, I, mm-hmm. I look at the WNBA standings every day because we have a bet for anyone that doesn't know between – Our two WNBA teams, uh, as obviously uh, we bet on the regular season record for Chicago and for Vegas. And so, you know, every game carries a little bit more meaning. I get puckered up. So I'm going to be nervous about (laughs) picks. But before we get to me saying questionable things, let's talk about some coaches that have said some questionable things as we get ready for the playoffs. And I want to start with a little bit of Hawks action here because Nate McMillan, for, uh, you know, anyone that didn't hear this, uh, had something to say when uh, talking about the league and what they want, as obviously the Hawks are going to be taking on the Knicks in the playoffs. This is what he said about the league in New York
0: the league wants this, they need this, you know, a New York, you know, this is a big market and it's a big market uh, for the league and uh, New York has been out of the playoffs for a number of years. And, uh, you know, this is the team that our league, you know, they want to see, you know, there's a huge fan base. They want to see New York in the playoffs.
1: Now he has said, Sarah, that the comments may have been taken out of context, but uh, what what's your reaction to coach uh, making sure everybody knows the league loves New York?
2: I mean, listen, I I got no problem with thinking that because I think we all know it's true. Even though Adam Silver on KJNZ was like, that's not true. And Nate knows it's not true. I was like, I don't believe you. (laughs) But you can't say it. So I'm not surprised that he got fined because... Whether or not that's how you intend it, what you are insinuating is that the league either has a hand or be willing to play a hand in deciding which teams advance. And that's not anything you want to touch with a league that has had a history of, of corrupt officiating, right? So Adam Silver doesn't want anybody thinking that the best teams in the league with the biggest stars are in any way going to be aided artificially, and that's what happens when you throw that in there. There's just no reason to say that if you're Nate, um, and and if you want to get even in more, you know, deep into it, if you if you wanted to, you could read in that he's setting himself up for we have a built-in excuse here because the league wants the Knicks, and they don't need to do that. This good Hawks team, so um, there wasn't really any reason to articulate that. Maybe talk about that with your team and your boys behind the scenes.
1: Yeah, and that was a little bit, you know, to your point, every time there's a questionable call in this series now, it's only going to fuel that fire. And,
2: and maybe that's why I did it smart, right? Trying to get the fans to jump on it every time. And even if it's on, you know, sort of subconscious, the officials feel that pressure of not making it seem skewed.
1: Yeah, well, uh, you know, all three diehard Hawks fans out there in the world will really appreciate <laughs> wow. this. I know. I'm throwing shade. I'm just saying Atlanta, not always the, the most diehard. I'm just saying. I'm just saying Spade and Fitz, Sarah Spade, Jason Fitz. Uh, that's not the only Nate McMillan, not the only coach that said something quite questionable about a New York team. Uh, it, it got under a lot of people's skin. What Celtics head coach Brad Stevens had to say, particularly in praise of Boston's first round opponent, the Brooklyn Nets. And those guys are um, the best of the best. And uh, going into that, if, if I'm a fan, I, you know, and just a general fan of the NBA, I, I have done a hard time seeing them lose. So we're going to have to play great. We're going to have to play great together. And... Um, You know, we're going to have to be really, really sound on both ends of the floor. I mean, he's not wrong. It just has a lot of people raising an eyebrow thinking, man, you, you should at least give your team a chance publicly.
2: Right. Very much like we can all agree that the NBA wants the Knicks in the playoffs. We can all agree that we'd have a tough time seeing the Nets lose to the Celtics. Your team is a mess. But that's not what you say publicly. You need to have your teams back and you need to not. I mean, we're taking the no billboard uh, bulletin board material too far. We were joking <laughs> earlier about before that play in game, you know, LeBron took the bulletin board, the the thumbtacks and, and the notes um, from from staff by announcing him as the MVP before they met. This is even worse. This is I'm not giving you any bulletin material. In fact, I'm giving my own team bulletin board material by the words that I'm saying that are doubting them and not saying that they've got a shot. Strange, strange move from Brad Stevens.
1: I got to believe, though, that Brad is telling his team behind the scenes, hey, you know, let's just not, to your point, let's not create any sort of billboard material and everything's going to be just fine. And in the meantime, uh, we'll believe quietly in ourselves and we'll let everybody else sort of uh, feed that fire. That's all I could think. Like, it just doesn't, for Brad Stevens, it's not like he's an inexperienced coach that doesn't know uh, what he's doing, obviously. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. That being said, I think I've delayed the inevitable long enough, Sarah. Uh it's time to make some picks. Are you we're going to ask you guys to chime in on this by the way. Uh we'll put up a poll uh asking you which upset you think is most likely to happen. Yeah, I'll uh, tell you
2: which ones I grabbed for that. So okay. uh Heat over Bucks, Hawks over Knicks, Lakers over Suns or Blazers over Nuggets? At Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz is where you can vote on which is the most likely upset of the first round.
1: Well, I, I, and look, I think the Lakers are going to beat the Suns. So, you know, uh, but I'll say that I think there are two really good upsets uh, possible on that list Lakers, Suns. But I also think maybe we're sleeping. I, if I'm just going to get into picks, I'm taking Lakers over Suns. I'm also just going to throw all caution into the wind, Sarah. I'm taking Portland in their series. So I'm going to go uh, Portland as the the, you know that was the second one on uh, on on my list that you just read off. So I think Portland can actually do it against Denver. So I'm all in. I'll, I'll take Portland. I, I'm going two upsets out of the gate.
2: All right. I don't know what order we're making these picks in, but I, I don't will know. At least I'm just going the games on. that you are also choosing. So sadly and terrifyingly for me, uh, and perhaps just because the Blazers are sort of like my side piece. Um, I like the Bucks. The Bucks are still my side pieces. Well, I have, a, I have a lot of I have a lot of uh, side pieces as it turns out. Uh, maybe I'm just wanting to will it into happening because I'm I'm such a big fan of Dame and and Terry Stotts and and um and and that crew over there, but I'm going to go I'm going to go Blazers and and Lakers too.
1: Uh, look at that! Look at us agreeing two two for two. I mean, and, and I'm with you. Like I'm, I'm the first to admit bias is completely right. just ripping into yep. my head here. I like, I like the guys over in Portland, so I'm going to go with that. Let's stay in the West then, while we're going through it, and go to. It's funny. This is the four or five, and I would think that that you know would have it on a lot of people's list for an upset. But Clippers taking on the Mavericks, and I just I can't find a way that Dallas is competitive in this series. Can you?
2: Unfortunately, I feel the same way. I don't know why I keep agreeing with you. Um, Now, listen, this is a tough one for me because my gut is telling me this Clippers team can do some damage and should not struggle with an inconsistent Mavs squad. On the other hand, I have said repeatedly, I will refuse to let the Clippers burn me again. Mm -hmm. Now, this is just a first round series. So I'm allowing myself in this case to believe and put faith in a Clippers team that has oft let me down. Uh, we'll see in the future rounds if I, can, if I can do that again. But for now, I'm, I'm going Clippers.
1: Only Sarah can use oft during predictions oft. and have it work. Like oft. That's just part of why you're smarter than I am. <laughs> uh, by the way, we didn't pick one other series in that. That would be the top-seeded Jazz taking on either the Grizzlies or the Warriors should be noted that our basketball power index says that uh, the Jazz would be, they would win have a 91% chance of beating uh, Memphis and a 70% chance of beating Golden State. Either way, I'm taking Utah in that series. Our, our, I'm our, taking
2: the Jazz as well, unfortunately.
1: Oh, God. But like, we got to find one to disagree no, on. All I'm right. Really 76ers doing. taking on the Wizards in the East. I got Philly. What about you?
2: God, I got Philly too. Oh, this
1: is working out so well. Brutal. Brooklyn versus brutal. the Celtics. I got Brooklyn. Oh, I got the Nets. Started oh. all. Oh, okay. The Bucks versus the Heat. I'm going Milwaukee, and I'm going big. What you got? I'm going Bucks too. Oh, that means it all comes down to the Knicks versus the Hawks. i like ladies first. I'll let you go first on this. Which, which one you got? I'm gonna go Knicks. You know what? I was going to go Knicks, but I think we need drama here, and I'm all in right. for content. So I'm going to go Hawks. All I, right. Count and me we as the out fourth Atlanta Hawks fan, fan <laughs> in the entire country at this point. So there we go. I'll be the one. I just just to watch, you know, Stephen A. implode. I'm going to go Hawks, and we'll see. We'll see how that goes there. That that's those are our predictions. Uh, we'll keep ourselves accountable. We always do. You guys can Six get pack, out and uh, and vote. In the meantime, we'll get Monica <laughs> McNutt, the expert that picked the Grizzlies to upset the Warriors. We'll find. Find out why when we talk to her next. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Spain and
0: Fitz, the podcast.
2: Joining us now on the Goodyear hotline, ESPN NBA analyst, WNBA pre- and post-game analyst, around the horde, gas bag, Knicks analyst. She does all the things. Monica McNutt with us here. And, Monica, you are the only person on ESPN's list of experts that picked the Grizzlies. Explain yourself. <laughs> What's up, Spain? Happy Friday to you, my friend. Okay, listen. I am buying
0: that the recent outcome a week ago at the end of the regular season is going to bode well for the Grizzlies, and their momentum and their performance versus the Spurs carries over as opposed to the Warriors having to pick themselves up and regroup after nearly knocking off LeBron and company. I mean, I get it. I know betting against Steph is wild, but I really think that this young Grizzlies group, Having been in this position last year, there's a different level of urgency, I think, that they're going to be playing with. And I think Giannis Valanciunas is a big X factor in this game. But even when he's off the floor, I think that the Grizzlies might be poised to run up and down with the Warriors and just make this thing interesting. I mean, somebody had to do it.
1: Oh, Monica, I, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like you're just trying to f- ruffle feathers at this point. Like, so what What mm-hmm. part does Draymond play in all this? Because I was saying earlier, I thought he was uh, – we're not talking enough about how well he played throughout the course of that game against the Lakers.
0: I mean, obviously, Fitz, we know that Draymond is a tremendous playmaker for this team, right? Like, you come off that – if Steph is being hounded by Dylan Brooks, for example, like, he's – able to find his guys cutting and facilitating so Draymond green definitely is a key maybe not so much in terms of scoring but being able to pass the ball but when you look at the matchups i mean he would draw probably like jaron jackson i imagine or if he's not guarding valentunas which obviously he's at a disadvantage in that particular matchup but if they do go small ball i just think that this grizzlies team is tough enough to make this interesting like I, I'm just, I really can't explain it. I think that they're going to hit some shots tonight. I know that they shot dismally from behind the arc in that last matchup. I know that they've struggled with the three all season, but I just don't think it's quite as simple as the stats when we get to this point in the
2: year. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz talking to Monica McNutt ahead of tonight's Grizzlies-Warriors matchup, 8.30 Eastern here on ESPN Radio. Let's talk the playoff matchups we already know. We just put up a poll at Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz. The most likely upset of the first round, and annoying people on the Internet are pointing out that Lakers beating the Suns wouldn't be an upset. We're just ignoring completely the fact that the poll is based on seeding, and everybody knows that. (laughs) Uh, So let's maybe take that one out just to make it more interesting. I presume that you believe the Lakers will beat the Suns. So, who else you think is most likely to get that win? The Heat over the Bucks, the Hawks over the Knicks, or the Blazers over the Nuggets?
0: God, okay, so two out of the three of those fame uh, Spain were the ones that I agonized over. I, I'm going Bucks and seven, um, and I just, oh, God, like, I'm going Bucks and seven, but I think that one is probably going to be one of the better series that we've seen. Listen, this Bucks squad. It's under pressure. Like, it's hot. It's hot on Bud. It's hot on Giannis. I mean, it's hot on Drew Holiday, Middleton, the whole gang. They did things a little bit differently this year. They did some regular season things that maybe we want to accustomed to, although they still finished top four in the East. They went and signed these guys in terms of grit, Holiday, who's well-respected as a defender in the league, P.J. Tucker, grit, going battle, had playoff experience. If they don't get to the Eastern Conference Finals, to me, I wouldn't be surprised if that coaching staff is, is, looks very different next year mm-hmm. because this is a team that obviously has been built to contend. You can't just have a two-time MVP sitting there and it don't cash out in the playoffs. Like, that's just not okay. On the very opposite side of that spectrum, though, you never disrespect the Miami Heat-led team, right, or Jimmy Butler-led team in the Miami Heat. And Bam Matabio has been tremendous this year, and that's a team, to me, that started clicking for the latter part of the season. If you wanted to give COVID issues a silver lining, maybe as they got some rest, having been in the finals last year, and then they started clicking at just the right time. So this series, man, I'm I'm still going Bucks and seven. But so, ooh, okay. And then the other one, Nuggets Blazers. I went Blazers and seven as well. I think that at some point the loss of Jamal Murray has to come home. To Roos, And I think a series is where you begin to see it. I like Michael Porter Jr. and his trajectory. I don't know that I trust him in a series. And, of course, you got literally the most clutch guy in the league on the other side and Dame Lillard. So I, I took Blazers and seven there. Uh, the last one, Knicks Hawks, I took Knicks and six on this one. Um, I just think that Julius Randle has had a field day against the Hawks all season long. And when you look at the Hawks, the biggest threat obviously is the Trey Young, Clint Capella pick and roll, which is a beast. Don't get me wrong. Um, But I think Tibbs is going to junk up that defense. I have suggested maybe they spring some traps with some longer length, kind of really disrupting Trey in the way that we kind of saw the Lakers disrupt Steph down the stretch, um, taking advantage of their size. But, I'm really excited for this year's playoffs. I'm so glad we're here, guys. I'm so
2: excited.
1: (laughs) We made it. Man, just listening to you talk about it, I'm getting excited, too. We're talking to Monica McNutt on Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. So, you know, through the course of this conversation, Monica, we've basically laid out a path for the Lakers to beat the Suns, for the Trailblazers to beat the Nuggets, and we'll see where we are in Utah. Are we, as a general group, devaluing the top seeds in the West too much? No, I think
0: a weird year but it's like i don't think we're devaluing i think the reality is that the top seeds in the west unlike years past just don't have the experience and so we're all weary now in the same breath you have people that still don't trust the clippers after last year's experience right and they have air quotes around experience they at least have guys that have won at a high level in this league and so i don't think that we're devaluing i think as consumers of nba ball like We trust superstars. It is a league that is driven by superstars. It's why guys go and team up. It's how we got the Brooklyn Nets. And while I believe Donovan Mitchell is heading towards superstar status, could be there, Devin Booker, same for him, they don't have a signature moment or a playoff series under their belt that would give us, um, faith in them at this point I don't think it's any disrespect to either of those teams. they just come, they are going up against lower-seeded teams with bona fide superstars that nobody's going to argue about
2: Sarah Spain Jason Fitz talking to Monica McNutt here on ESPN radio the ESPN app Sirius XM channel 80 we've seen some pretty awesome games to start off this WNBA season also maybe some disappointment what has surprised you the most of the first couple games of the season
0: I got to be honest saying, for as much as I love the league, like 1996 back there, you know what I'm saying, when it started, I was actually shocked. Even in my mind, I knew we missed a bunch of superstars last year due to the pandemic, but when we got to opening weekend, I was like, wait, what? Like, I forgot how good some of these folks were. (laughs) John (laughs) Cole Jones, Liz Cambage. I mean, obviously, Candace Parker going to Chicago, although she played last year, um, was a headlining thing. But I just, I've been surprised with, how folks have bounced back from the pandemic folks that were missing and just quickly acclimated to their routines. Mind you, remember this WNBA season, there are still star players that are in COVID protocols because they just left their overseas um, teams. So how quickly teams were able to regale with some of their stars impressed me. And then I got I got to tip my cap to Sabrina Ionescu. I was one of those folks. I was like, yes, she's great, but don't underestimate the W. There's still a learning curve. Those women are great. And baby came in and made history and what her like <laughs> fifth game. Like- yeah. Pretty I mean,
1: wild. It's that was incredible. Monica, real, real quick. Real quick. Hey, oh, go ahead, sir.
2: I was just going to ask, can you tell people where they can find you for the WNBA stuff you're doing pre and post? Um, oh, yeah. Okay, so I will be hosting all of the ABC
0: shows. So I'm back in Bristol June 5th. But coming up, what's today? Uh, I think June 1st, my girl Christine Williamson will be holding down the doubleheader in the E2 studio. So that's the next big one. And then this Sunday, we've got LaChina Robinson and Andrea Carter holding it down from the studio in Charlotte. That's just a single game on Sunday. Um, but when the games
2: are back on ABC, I'll be there for those double headers. Awesome. Fitz, what you got? Oh,
1: well, I, I wasn't sure we had time. Uh, we, we have a bet going on the show, Monica. We're just going to blow the clock out. We got a bet show going on the show. Uh, real quick, you know, I'm, I'm all in on the aces with my Vegas background. And so we made a bet between Chicago and Vegas on who would have the better regular season. How concerned should I be about losing this bet at this point?
0: uh i think you're okay you're okay did you see them against seattle like you're gonna be yeah. okay I think, mm-hmm. you're gonna, I think the other part about it is again similar to the milwaukee bucks chicago has been a team that has kind of impressed us at points at the regular season candace going to chicago was not about the regular season and remember the WNBA seating is different so you could almost argue that the regular season i mean obviously you have to qualify but i'm not worried about chicago in the regular season candace went for the postseason i think vegas um is a team like they're actually kind of in the same boat like they've been good in the regular season they come up short as of late i don't know i wouldn't be too worried it's gonna, be tight. Is, that's a good it's gonna be tight it's I'll, gonna that's be good. tight i'm
1: you just, just inherently <laughs> cheap monica like i don't i don't like losing money so you know it could be 50 cents and i'd be puckered Listen, up and he over. says
2: that like he ever actually pays off that's on fair. the bets hasn't once uh, <laughs> monica th- thanks for the time keep up the awesome work Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend and good night. You're the best. Monica McNutt with us here on Spain & Fitz, brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. Coming up, we got to go scorched earth on baseballs. Get off my lawn, guy. I don't care if it's a couple days late. I need to say it. It's next.
0: You're listening to the Spain & Fitz podcast.
2: We have not had a show since Monday. We've been bumped every night for the NBA play-in games, and there are just a couple things we needed to rant about. And before we get to the big rant, I just want to point everybody To the Sally Jenkins article in the Washington Post about the NCAA selling out women's sports in a rights deal that it is trying to keep secret. The gist of it is, and these were previously unknown terms, and they are still trying desperately to keep it under wraps, but some of it has been undercovered. The NCAA gave CBS Turner exclusive rights to the men's basketball championship, and in doing so, offered up corporate sponsorship sales for all 90 NCAA championships. So CBS gets to keep the revenue from 18 of what they call NCAA corporate champions, Coca-Cola, AT&T, as part of this basketball contract. So those companies get to advertise all over women's sports as sort of a throw-in with all the money that they get, you know, going this $200 million going to CBS in this deal, and it prevents women's sports from other corporate deals and revenue in really important big categories because of these exclusivities that are controlled by CBS for the basketball tournament with no effort to actually go out and seek out companies that are interested in the women's marketplace, that pay attention to the growth. You look at stuff like women's softball that's blowing up and they can't make the revenue and the and, and The payoff on that, because they're being cut out at the legs by their own guy in Mark Emmert. And the more this stuff comes out, fits, the more clear it is that across college sports and professional, there are so many ways that we are institutionally holding back women's sports and then pointing to how they don't make enough money and aren't successful enough when they are not being given a chance.
1: Yeah. And one of the frustrating things you, you know, in talking about Mark Emmert is remembering that he just got a contract extension. So the NCAA Mm -hmm. feels good about the work he's doing. And, you know, I'll speak to even here at ESPN – as someone that works in multiple mediums we both do i work a lot in the digital space and one thing that's interesting is when we talk to advertisers is sitting down and saying hey so much of this audience is different you know and that means that you've got to have a different plan and a different approach and you've got to make sure that you're tailoring things to for example snapchat that has a 13 to 24 year old audience you know that's watching SportsCenter that way is a much different audience than watches the nfl draft and so I look at at the efforts, and I I do mean efforts, like multiple departments sitting down saying, how are we maximizing the right opportunities? I don't know how you can be doing that here and then be looking at the NCAA and saying, hey, we're going to just treat this all with one blanket statement because every audience has a different... Uh Uh, it's because they don't care. Yeah, well. It's because
2: they want to say they care, but they actually are not doing the work. And that's incredibly frustrating. Sue Bird talked about this on LeBron's uh, The Shop Show once. Same thing happened with WNBA. NBA, they gave them a cut of deals that they signed with the NBA, they threw in the WNBA, but half the time those things weren't the kind of products that would appeal to, to the WNBA fan base, and they weren't trying to be creative or invested in the way that they they worked with them. So. Uh, incredibly frustrating, but go read the Sally Jenkins story. And I, I, I do think that every single school that allows Emmert to get away with this and doesn't push back and fight on these, what are essentially the violation of the spirit of title nine are complicit in this. So they need to step up to him. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, getting some rants that we needed to take care of from the last couple days. Uh, we want to remind you, too, uh, in baseball this weekend, MLB What to Watch For is brought to you by Sam Adams. Everyone's got a cousin from Boston who forgets their wallet at dinner but never forgets a sixer of refreshing Sam Adams. Cheers to that. The Boston Beer Company, Boston Mass, savor the flavor responsibly. couple games you can check out this weekend for starters. AL Battle tomorrow. Yankees hosting the White Sox. Coverage at 12:30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Then an NL Central battle on Sunday as the Cardinals host my Cubbies. Coverage of Sunday night baseball begins at 6 p.m. Eastern. On ESPN radio and the ESPN app and 7 PM on ESPN. A couple good battles there, and one of them involves the White Sox, which leads me to an overdue rant. I couldn't believe that I was not on the air. In fact, I was on around the horn on Tuesday, and these comments from Tony La Russa did not hit until after we taped. Mm. And I wanted to go back to the studio and start all over again. In case you missed it, Yerman Mercedes hits a bomb on a 3-0 pitch to a position player pitching in a blowout game because we care about action in baseball. And the game wasn't over. And they weren't going to be giving back any of those broadcasters money for calling a shorter game. And they certainly weren't giving the fans back money for whatever innings they felt like they didn't want to try in. So they kept trying and playing baseball, which is what you do. And instead, Tony La Russa sided with baseball's unwritten rules over backing his own player. He called him clueless for swinging at 3-0, despite the fact that if you were respecting the game, wouldn't you have a pitcher on the mound instead of a big old position player? Isn't that more disrespectful than a guy swinging at a pitch that's right over the 47-mile-per-hour EFIS and absolutely destroying the ball? I would be madder if he hadn't swung at that. So then after that, everybody's all up in arms about it. Tony La Russa defends defends the other team throwing at Mercedes in the next game. Defends the Twins instead of backing up his own player. First, he calls him clueless. Then he defends the Twins. Then Lance Lynn says, I don't think everybody in the locker room really agrees with Tony on this. And he insults yet another player by saying, I've got an office. He's got a locker. Condescending BS. Meanwhile, Tim Anderson is commenting on Mercedes Instagram. Game wasn't over. Keep doing you, big daddy. Right. Because these are guys that we know and have known since the beginning of this talented White Sox team coming together are let the kids play bat flipping, exciting guys, including Mercedes, one of the most exciting young players in the game. And La Russa makes himself the story in the worst possible way, undermining his own players, creating issues in a clubhouse on a winning baseball team that is stacked with talent. And it's so exactly what I called when they hired him, Fitz! (laughs) I didn't want this to happen. I love the Cubs, but I don't hate the White Sox, and I especially don't want to see a super talented team undercut by an old-school manager who doesn't get it.
1: I think one of the difficult parts here is watching Tony La Russa speak I feel like you're at a Thanksgiving dinner where you've got the family member that you know is going to say the wrong thing that's going to make the whole room uncomfortable. That's where I am with Tony La Russa at this point. Like, now, the, the reality of it is the White Sox have results on the field, so maybe they don't care, but... Uh, that that's all fine and good as long as you're winning games. The minute you're not, how does this rip apart? I mean, we often talk about players and their responsibility in keeping the fabric of a team together behind the scenes, but when your manager is doing nothing to do that, I mean, as much as good as it has been so far, it will be equally bad if this team starts to play poorly because then it will rip apart at the seams in my mind because he is absolutely doing everything he possibly can to lose a young, exciting locker room.
2: Completely agree. And that's what's frustrating to me. And honestly, I've seen very few people defend him. White Sox fans are asking if they could fire their own skipper. They're selling some great t-shirts that just say, sorry for the Homer. I mean, it's just, it's just frustrating fits when baseball can't get out of its own way. And there's a lot of guys that are getting it right. And there's a lot of people speaking out about the unwritten rules being idiotic I mean, it really is idiotic that if you're mad at another team, you throw a a flying 100 mile per hour projectile at them. I mean, what are we doing here, folks? Uh, And that you undermine and cut out your own team and insult your own players in service of this vague idea of playing the right way. Oh, thank God he's not my manager. Coming up, it's an early edition of Sports Tinder. We'll try to stop ranting so much. Maybe, probably.
0: You're listening to the Spain and Fitz Podcast.
2: We uh, asked a poll earlier, and let me just give you a little behind the scenes here. Okay, we're trying to figure out how we want to ask the question, which is a very simple one, which is which of the teams that is seated lower with a higher number is more likely to beat a team that is seated higher with a lower number, and we just didn't want it to be complicated. Because when you say high seed, does that mean eight or one? Are they seated high because they're the better team, or they say, high because the number is bigger. It's annoying. So we skipped all that, and we just asked which of these is most likely to be an upset. And then y'all had to come in doing too much, asking us, why is this listed as an upset? Technically, uh, Vegas has the Lakers as a favorite. Well, that's technically not an upset. Just shut up and answer the question, okay?
1: You know what? Here's the thing, because I'm the one that fought for the, let's just say, upset, you know, because it's simple. I want everybody to to just take a deep breath and realize how stupid you sound when you (laughs) decide to be that guy. Like you have become the person that if you were in my home, I'd look at you and say, "Hey, you, 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 fat Jesus, look at me, not you, out the door." Like there's just a spot where, like, there are certain people you don't want at your watch party. That's the person that comes in and says, "Well, actually, you know, according to the odds, it's not an okay." You, you, like, I was a fat kid that played the violin. I know what it's like to be the annoying kid in the room. You are now being me when you do that don't do it be better everybody just be better you know what we mean i hate yeah. people
2: yeah we all know <laughs> what we meant by the poll okay and the best part is someone tried to roll in here and be like well then why didn't you just say which lower seated team is likely to beat a higher seated team because technically it would be a higher seated team beating a lower seated team because one is lower than eight but we call one's a high seed so uh, this is why
1: you know this is why I do drugs. Like I this, I, you know, I don't want to do drugs. You make me do drugs. This is what happens, Twitter. Like this is what happens. Uh,
2: I should start. I really should. <laughs> um, anyway, the results the, the results of the poll, in case you're interested, <laughs> at Spain and Pitts, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Pitts. Lakers over Suns, 53.8%. Heat over Bucks, 19.3. Hmm. Blazers over Nuggets, 13.5, and Hawks over Knicks at 13.4. So uh, that's how you feel about it. That'll get started soon. We will find out tonight whether it will be the Grizzlies or Warriors being thrown into that mix. Um, it is a Friday. We are going to talk to PJ Carlismo coming up next before the game. So we got to get in Sports Tinder right now.
0: Sports Tinder.
2: Okay, it's sexy. It's sexy. Everything. It is. Uh, this is a very funny thing that, Aunt, uh, that Adam Schefter tweeted out today. Uh, At NFLshop.com, the top five selling items are all Tim Tebow items. Okay, now it's worth noting that Tim Tebow was just announced as being signed to the Jaguars. So on a given day, maybe that's going to drive a lot more than a bunch of people getting something for another player on a random average day in May. That could be part of it. Uh, maybe people are owning the libs. Maybe this is a political statement. Maybe this is just a nostalgia. Maybe this is a Jags fans getting fired up for a reunion. I don't know what it is, Fitz, but I have to ask, are you next in line?
1: Yeah, I'm going to swipe down. I hate it. Look, uh, this is the equivalent of buying a Nick Bowers jersey. You ask, who's Nick Bowers? (laughs) He'd be the fourth string tight end for my beloved Raiders. (laughs) According to the current uh, depth chart on ESPN, Tim Tebow is the fourth string tight end. You're just buying a jersey for somebody that got a a non-guaranteed one-year veteran minimum contract. You're spending more money than Tebow might make to play for the Jags to get the jersey and you don't even know if he's going to see week one. It makes no sense. Like Y'all are Too flippant with your money. I don't understand this. I mean,
2: I don't know. As somebody whose team had nine tight ends on their roster last year, maybe the fourth, maybe the fourth tight end isn't so bad. Nine, nine at one point. Uh, I'm going to swipe
0: swipe down. down. I hate it.
2: Yeah. Listen, as I said before, I'm trying to hate the game, not the player. If Tim Tebow has a dream and he doesn't want to feel like it's left unrealized and he doesn't want to ever have the question of what if and he wants to go for it, so be it. But it's the people around him that are making that dream happen that are the issue. There's a space on that roster for somebody else that uh, deserved it, that's presumably played the position that they're trying out for before and within the last uh, six years. Uh, But hell, if you want to go buy his jersey, I guess go for it. Uh, Albert Pujols hit his first home run for the Dodgers. Uh, We saw, you know, that first game in had an RBI. Are we feeling like poo holes might be a factor for the Dodgers? I
1: am going to swipe up super light. No, wow. we're going to try that again. Wow. I'm going to. I was that, surprised that was close. by that answer. You know, and you hit
2: the wrong button. didn't it, it, swipe it left. There we go.
1: <laughs> I'm swiping left on it. And look, I mean, no, as no we way. talked about the other day, I think that, you know, this is a little bit of a stopgap uh, signing anyway. But the other part of it is let's not forget that the Dodgers normally, before last year, don't get to have nice things at the highest possible level. So I don't think that. That, that changes it. One one World Series does not change all of that, Sarah. So I feel like it's going to work out just enough to give Dodgers fans hope, and then it will wow. turn out to not be part of the wow, factor. You're
2: predicting a curse. You're yeah. predicting a, a late. I'm late predicting soon. the return
1: to normalcy. Like the Dodgers will uh, will turn out to be a disappointment.
2: They'll go to the World Series again and lose. Yeah. I guess that's disappointing. <laughs> um, I'm going to
0: swipe left.
2: Yeah, I I think new place, uh, new pitchers. Uh, you know, I guess getting a look at him. I, I know he's there, He's playing a lot of the same teams, but um, you know, new position with the team, all of that is going to come together and it's going to make him feel energized. He's going to feel like a different guy, but eventually you're going to regress to the mean. And in, in recent years, it, it hasn't been uh, a lot of home runs and a lot of productivity. And that's, that's the reason that the angels were willing to say goodbye to him. Um, It's going to be impressive every time he does it. I think he's, he's one of the older guys, um, uh, to be to be you know smacking them deep like that, and I think the oldest ever for for a Dodgers player to hit a home run, uh, but eventually it's going to end up being where he was before, and maybe the veteran leadership will be the way that he contributes more so than than with the bat. It's Bain and Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. We're doing a little sports tender early on a Friday. Uh, this is a story that that you came up with, and and you know uh, I'm I'm reticent to describe it as. Um, good or bad individually because i don't know much about this texas high school player right i i can't say that Jaden blue has made a lot of my highlight reels at home um <laughs> so i'm not going to comment individually on his decision uh, uh after committing to the texas longhorns to forego his final high school football season and associate uh himself with his collegiate program at least in terms of prepping and getting his mind right, and avoiding the wear and tear of, of high school. Yeah, So he... I'm not going to ask you about him. I don't know if it's a good idea for him. But... Is this a trend that you think is going to happen going forward?
1: I am going to swipe up, super like. So he's foregoing his senior season partially because he's a running back and wants to limit the number of hits his body takes. And for somebody that had a ton of offers—thirty-six scholarship offers—he's he's in, he's locked in, and he's going to protect his body. I think we're going to see more and more of this. This is the trickle down. It started with particular positions deciding they weren't going to play in bowl games, yeah. and as we go through it, you know, we're going to see more and more high school kids say, "Once I got that scholarship offer, and I know it's signed sealed." delivered I'm going to go ahead and protect myself and I don't know that every college coach is going to hate that especially at positions like running back when they've got enough proof of concept I think that everybody's going to look at it as a win for the kid and a win for the school
2: I'm going to
0: swipe left
2: despite the fact that it feels like a trend already because you know Tim Tebow took over 3,000 days off to avoid the wear and tear of football as well (laughs) and now now he's back Um, so it feels like maybe a trend between you know Tim Tebow and and Jaden Blue um I just think that there's a limited number of players who will be in this position. Yes, a lot of offers, but will they truly be ready to, you know, contribute? And will they make do enough of the of the year off uh, to make it worth it? That is that that sweet spot that I just don't think there are going to be that many that feel comfortable doing it. But hopefully, it works out for this guy. And I do think that there will be uh, isolated cases of it for sure, especially at that position. Thanks
0: for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.